0: This is Nova Church, Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. If you have your Bible today, can you turn to Matthew chapter 2? Matthew chapter 2. Uh, I do want to give a shout out. I don't know if she's here today or if she's serving kids, but my daughter Maddie turns 13 tomorrow. And do you me remember 13? I do not. It was a long time ago, but we have two teenagers now, and uh, Maddie, if she's not in the room, but we say this to her all the time, we are, just, we are in love with our family and so thankful for her. She is a gift to us, and she is strong in courage, and she's always up for adventure. Uh, she is brilliant and smart and witty, and she is kind and generous. She loves church. She loves Jesus. She loves her family, and she is beautiful, and uh, we have a teenager tomorrow. And we get to celebrate her. We've been celebrating her all week. So, Maddie, if you're here, I love you. We're proud of you. And uh, we're excited to see what God wants to do through your life in these teen years. And happy birthday, girl. I love you very, 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 very much. All right. I'm not crying at all right now. Uh, Matthew chapter 2. We're in a series called Tis the Seasons. Tis the Seasons. Because we've realized in life that there are seasons in life. If you're in this room, you are in a season. Some of you, you're in the, in the you've got more kids than you have hands and time season. You're what we call zone defense. It's just you trying to figure out how to deal with all these kids. I'm not looking at Liz at all right now. But you, and Mark, you got more kids than you, I was going to say, than you have brains. That's awful. But you just got kids everywhere. It's like, it's, it's just like a, your own little soccer team going on. And, and you're in to season, some of you are in retirement season. Some of you are in a hard season. Some of you are in amazing season. I love Nova Scotia. I love the quotes about seasons and the weather. Like, if you're from Nova Scotia, you always talk about the weather, right? Like, we have the weather app. My parents watch the Weather Channel all the time. Uh, My dad will tell me when a storm's coming three weeks out, right? Uh, We're fascinated with the weather. Why? Because this is one of my favorite sayings. If you don't like the weather, just wait five minutes. That's a Nova Scotia saying right there. And it is absolutely true. It can be beautiful. You can have all four seasons in one day in Nova Scotia. I also, I also uh, like the saying that summer is on Wednesday this year. That's a great joke we like to tell. We're excited for summer. It's going to be on Wednesday this year. We're really excited about. We really only have three seasons, you know, summer only lasts one day. We, we like talking about seasons. The truth is that we're all going through seasons in life. And this scripture, this word, isn't just a history book. It's not just a book of poetry. It's not just a, a, a book of philosophy. We believe it's actually God's manual for our life. And no matter what season you're going through, God speaks to it through his word. I don't think we need to be instructed as much as we need to be reminded. And I realize sometimes I'm looking for a new blog or a new TED Talk or a new course, and I'm for all of it. But there's so much times I need to go back to God's word and be reminded that he is with me in all seasons. God, it says God was, he is, and he is to come. He come, he does not change. He's with us until the end of the age. And if God is with us, come on, who can be against us? And he can help you no matter what season you're going through. Some of you, you're in a tough season right now. Some of you need to know that God is with you. We're in this series called Seasons. And today in part three, I'm going to start reading in Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read a couple verses, starting in verse 1. If you're there, say hey. If you're waiting for the screen behind me, say hey, hey. Yeah, okay. All right. There's always some of you. Bring your Bible to church. There's nothing like your Bible. Verse 1, chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men, wise men still come from the east, right? Still from Halifax and St. John's, right? Some wise men from the eastern lands. You know, it's interesting that I always grew up seeing three wise men, but when scholars study this, they say there may have been as many as 12. We think three because they label three different gifts, but there might have been as many as 12 wise men involved in this story. Verse 2, they arrived and they asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed. When he heard this, as as was everyone in Jerusalem, he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and said, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Because it was prophesied, it was foretold. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. Verse 7, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time the star first appeared. Then he told them, okay, go to Bethlehem, And search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back to me, tell me, so I can go worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star had been seen in the east, guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child. And they say the child now was actually, Jesus wasn't the baby, this is not the manger. He walked into a house. They walked into a house. They say now Jesus is around the age of two at this point. He had gone from the manger. He's now growing up in a home. Uh, and they walked into a house. And Jesus was now around the age of two. They saw the child and his mother and Mary when they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests. Of, they gave him gifts of gold, uh, Frankenstein, and myrrh we remember growing up thinking, why did they give him Frankenstein? All right, frankincense and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned their, to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream. Say with me, say a dream. It's interesting, I was going to call this message for dreams, because it's, it's, it has dreams all the way through. Through a dream, God warned them to go another way and not to return to Herod. Verse 13, after the wise men were gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Second dream in this passage. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay, stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. I love the Bible. It's not watered down. This is graphic. This is violent. We're seeing a potential genocide about to happen on all these young children. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and, his, and, Mary, and uh, Mary and the mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death and fulfilled the, what the Lord had spoken through the prophet I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. I don't think that should be a surprise. They're called wise men, right? Like, just think about it. They, they outwitted him. They're called wise men for a reason, right? And they had outwitted him. And he said, he goes down here and he says, But Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel, verse 21, with Jesus and his mother. But he had learned about the new ruler of Judea, Herod's son he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, this is the fourth dream now in this passage. He left for the region of Galilee, and his family went and lived in a town called Nazareth, fulfilled the prophets that said he shall be called a Nazarene. Today, for the next few minutes that are allotted to me, just a few minutes, I want to talk on this topic today, on this season, our third season. We talked about the, the seasons in life. We talked about how we have seasons of delay. Some of you are waiting. You feel like you're always waiting. Last week was the season of deposit, that you got to understand that the only control you have over your future, what grows tomorrow, is what you plant today. And today, in this season, I want to talk about the season of disruption. Season of disruption. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for every life that's here, every, every person that's here. Father, I thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, I pray you would help us now that we leave here more like you, more in love with you, and more passionate about your plan for your life. Thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Nova Scotia is famous for having people that leave and flee the season of winter and they go to Florida. They call them bluebirds, don't they? Snowbirds? Bluebirds was Anne Murray? Was that Anne Murray? Bluebirds are what I come. I'm so confused. You know what I call them? I call them traitors. That's what I call them. They take off, and they take off to to, to Florida, and God, just bless you, bless your little heart. You know, that's what I say. People go, we won't be here for a few months, but I just love you so much. And then we say, God, bless your little heart, which really is as close as Christians can get to cussing right there. (laughs) When we just say, oh, just bless your little heart, we're, we're not thinking that on the inside. And people leave, and they try to flee the season of winter, and we just love you. And how many are going to winter this season? Just bless your little heart, just bless your little heart right there. Uh, we're going to block you on Instagram and Facebook. We don't want to see your pictures. Um, but, but, but it's interesting because Nova Scotians, right, when, when we get older and we're able to, we want to flee certain seasons that we don't find comfortable. And we love that and we celebrate with you and we hope you have an amazing time. Just love you so much. Praying all the snow from Moncton to go to Orlando in Jesus' name. Just. I've learned in life that you can't flee seasons of life, though doesn't matter how much money or time or connections you have. You can't flee seasons of life. Some are guaranteed. They're guaranteed seasons that we're all going to have. I want to let you know today that some of you know that you're going through it. There will be seasons in life of disruption. Because you will have opposition. You know, it's interesting. The scripture says in 1 Timothy, it calls our faith. And we're on a faith journey here. We're all at different points on this faith journey. There's room for your journey here. Listen, forgiveness is an event, but purity is a process. And no matter where you are in your journey, you're like, I'm just figuring this whole God thing out. Maybe some of you, you fell in love with Jesus a long time ago, and you've been walking. There's room for your journey here. No matter where you are in this journey of faith, you need to know this. The Bible calls it a fight of faith. In First Timothy, it's called a fight of faith. It's not called a potluck of faith. It's not a lazy river. Those going to Orlando, you know what I'm talking about? The lazy river life. It, it, it's not called the spa of faith. It's not even a concert of faith. It's not even called a church service of faith. It's called the fight of faith. Why? Because the, the Lord wanted you to know. God wanted you to know. If you're in this thing called faith, you're going to get punched. There is opposition. How many are encouraged already? Right now, you're just so encouraged. If you, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, listen, there is opposition. The Bible calls it a fight of faith. Some of you wonder why you're in a season of disruption, of opposition. Because you're in a fight for your faith. In a fight of faith. Why? Because there's power in the seed, the dream of your new life. When you give your life to Christ, there is a seed that is planted in you. There is purpose and, and redemption and God's spirit. is And there is power in the seed. There's power in that seed. There will always be an attack on the unborn because there is potential and they are vulnerable. Listen, whenever something is new, it's vulnerable. That's why some of you came to faith in this church in the last couple of years and it was really good for a while and then all of a sudden things started getting tough. It's amazing how you could easily get offended or things started uh, coming against you. Why? Because when it's new, it's always vulnerable. But there's always an attack on seed. Why? Because it's so much potential in the seed. That's why uh, farmers have to watch their fields because of the birds of the air and crows and and, and because it's it's so vulnerable. That's why Jesus in this story, uh, Herod and the enemy tried to attack Jesus when he was young. Why? Because he was vulnerable. Because he knew when he grew up, he'd be unstoppable. He thought, if I can get him when he's vulnerable, I can get him before he's unstoppable. There's so much potential in the seed in your life. Do you know how valuable and how much strength and potential there is in your life? Do you know in your marriage, in your singleness, in your teenage years, in your young adult years, in your senior years, there's, you're ripe with potential for what God wants to do in your life, but it's also vulnerable. And you wonder why there's an attack on your life. Why? Because you're so valuable. You're so valuable. So important what God wants to do through your life to help the city and help our nation and further the kingdom of God and help your family and help people around you. Why? Because there's seed of potential inside your life. We talked last week about the power of seed and deposit. But you need to know that once you have something deposit in your life, once you realize you have the power of God in your life, there's a season of disruption that will hit. Why? Because there is opposition. It's amazing. When my son was born, Josh, he'll be 16 in April. When he was first born, I forget the first week we brought him home. I never drove so slow in my life as coming from the hospital. I had him wrapped in bubble wrap and we had balloons in there. We had we had Nana back there holding him. I drove 20 kilometers an hour on the Bedford Highway. Why? Because only only a, a, a uncaring father would take the highway with a newborn. I was, I, everybody was a potential threat to our car. But the first week I slept on the floor of Josh's room. Why? Because I had heard about babies and how vulnerable they were at sleeping and they in their sleeping state and they could not breathe if they laid the wrong way. I slept on his floor for a week. I'd pop up, is he breathing? I'd listen to him, he's breathing. For a week, I slept on his floor. A couple years later, Maddie came along. I didn't sleep on the floor at that point. I'm like, she's good, right? The second kid, you don't take as many pictures. You don't sleep on the floor. I drove the highway home. Come on, somebody, right? But why? Because he he was so vulnerable, I also knew he was so new. I want to let you know today that not everyone will celebrate you. Not everyone will celebrate you. Some will oppose you, but be reminded today, they can't stop you. Not everyone will celebrate you. The innkeeper in the story, he didn't make room for Jesus. Some people won't celebrate you. They won't make room for you for your giftings. They won't make room for you in their social study. They won't make room for you. They will not celebrate your life. Some people will oppose you. Herod attacked, tried to kill the baby. Some people will actually hate you. Why is it at work, there's this one guy, why is it he's against me? Why is this one girl against me? Why does this seem to be up? Why? Because people will try to oppose you. But if you're led by the Spirit of God, I got news for you today, they cannot stop you. They may not celebrate you, they may try to oppose you, but God will help you and they cannot stop what God wants to do in your life. Have hope today, he is with you. Seasons of disruption. The potential in your life makes heaven cheer and hell fear today. There's so much potential in your life. Jesus started his life homeless, then became a refugee, fleeing for his life, then lost his father. But Jesus knew seasons of disruption. Let me give you a couple points today before we pray for some people on how to make it through a season of disruption. You feel like you're just disrupted. You feel like there's opposition. You feel like things are coming against you and maybe health reports, maybe in finances, maybe in social settings. You just feel like you just can't catch a break that there's opposition in your life couple of quick points, three points of how to make it through a season of disruption. Number one, pray. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to pray. Pray. Joseph knew how to stay connected. It's interesting, he had three dreams in this passage. Direct him. You need to know today that God wants to direct you. So many times we say new, a new year is a new me. We're getting ready for all those posts, right? The gyms are about to explode with memberships. New year, new me. There's nothing special about a calendar that changes people. But there is something powerful about being led by the Spirit of God. Listen, prayer is not a religious duty. It's understanding you're connected to God, that God wants to direct you, and he wants to give you wisdom and direction. When you're connected to God, he wants to give you wisdom and direction. This summer, I was in Montreal speaking at a conference, and I rented a car. If you've ever been to Montreal, the streets are narrow. They gave me the biggest SUV I have ever seen. I was like, is this all you got? I need a smart car for Montreal. They gave me an Expedition. They gave me this huge car. Me and Josh are driving through Montreal. And I remember, there's more construction in Montreal. That's a whole season in Montreal. Season of construction. And I got lost in all these detours, and the GPS kept saying, recalculating recalculating, recalculating. I wanna let you know, if you're in a season of disruption, you may be detoured, you may be delayed, but you won't be denied. GPS, God's positioning system. When we pray, God keeps saying, recalculating. You feel like you're going down the wrong road. No, no, I got you. I'm recalculating. You may feel like you had a setback, but God wants to set you up to make an impact. He's like, no, no, I got you. I'm recalculating. Some of you, 2019, didn't go the way you thought it was. You think, I'm too far gone. I've done too much. God can never use me, heal me, help me. And God goes, no, 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 no. I'm just recalculating. You may be disrupted, but you're not going to be denied. Why? Because when you're connected to God, He recalculates your life. He gives gives you wisdom and direction. Joseph knew this. In this story, it's interesting. Dreams, we we cast dreams off as bad donairs or too much pizza. But in this story, three dreams directed Joseph that literally saved his family. You need to know that God wants to be connected to you. In this season of hustle and bustle and going and getting, make time to stay connected to God because in there is wisdom and direction for your life. It's God's positioning system. Some people think they're disrupted, but they're actually just distracted. Some people think they're, they're disrupted, but they're actually just distracted. Listen, detours happen. Distraction doesn't have to. Detour driving takes longer. In Halifax, I've never seen so much construction as this fall. And there's not that many ways to get where you want to go. And the detours, you got to go left and keep taking four lefts. So I'm like, that's a circle, right? You just keep taking detours. Detour driving takes longer. Distracted driving kills. And some of you think you're disrupted, but you're actually just distracted. I want to remind you today that you don't have to be distracted. Detour driving may delay your journey, but distracted driving can actually kill. And there is a difference. The enemy, some of us, the enemy doesn't have to oppose us. We do a good job of that all by ourselves. We just we oppose ourselves. We just make bad decisions. We just we just make the wrong choices and we we call it the enemy. Like we, we call in sick for work a lot and we call it a me day all the time. If you're sitting next to one of those people, do not look at them. But you know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're off again. I, I needed a me day, right? They're always calling in sick for work and when they're at work, they're on their phone the whole time distracted. And then when they don't get that promotion and someone else gets that promotion, they send a prayer request in going, all hell's coming against me. No, you're not, you're, you're not disrupted. You're just distracted. But there are seasons of being disturbed. And God wants to guide you. I want to remind you today, how you end one season determines how you enter the next season. We're finishing a year. How you end this year will determine how you start the next year. If you ended this year with an attitude, if you ended it with unforgiveness, if you ended it all jacked up, you're going to start the new year with an attitude disturbed and all jacked up. Why? Because how you end one season determines how you enter the next. I think it's interesting from Scripture that Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, they were ending their baby season. They, he was two. Well, some of you call it 24 months. Parents. He's 62 months. No, he's not. He's four. I'm like, yeah. Some of you are like, that's not the right math. Forget it, you know. <laughs> he's 211 months. No, he's nine. You know, like, Jesus was two years of age here. It's interesting that the wise men, I researched this, this week, the wise men showed up. And it says if you calculated what they gave, in today's dollar, it was $4 million they gave Jesus and Mary and Joseph. Isn't it interesting that that season that was ending of of being a, a baby as he was in the toddler years, as he was finishing that season, the wise men showed up. God was preparing them for the next season. They're about to leave their jobs and their family and their friends and their banks and what they knew and flee for their lives. And God's saying, listen, listen, I got you. You may be detoured, but you will not be denied. Why? Because you may be in a season, but I have you. I'll direct you and guide you, and I'm setting you up. That money was used for those years of on the run living in Egypt. It provided for them. It helped them. It helped when Joseph passed years later, and that money set them up for the next season. Listen, don't be surprised. God's not surprised by the season you're in. Some of you are like, man, I just feel so, God's got you. If you are connected to God, if you're listening to his wisdom, his direction, God will prepare you for the next. I don't have time today to tell you, but our season where we are now was set up by our last season. There was a season we thought we were lost. We thought we were drifting. Pastor Kevin, we sat at tables talking about, should we plant a church? and What would that look like? And I felt like we were wandering aimless, but God was setting us up for this next season. Listen, how you end one season will determine how you enter the next. Stay connected. Pray. God wants to give you direction, give you ideas. It may look random. It may look useless. You may feel like you're lost, but God has you on a plan. He's providing for you if we pray. When you fight to stay connected to the voice of God, he will direct you. Point number two today, number one was pray. Number two is obey. Pray and obey. There is no other way. Obey. As a young pastor, I was sitting in a room being mentored by this senior leader, me and 50 other young pastors. This senior leader, this woman sat down one day and she talked to us and someone said, what's the best advice you could give some young leaders? I was in my early 30s and this woman at the time was in her late 50s. 50 youth pastors sitting around and someone said, what's the best advice you could give to a young pastor? She said, I got some advice for you. Here's the advice. Young ladies, young men, plan where you're going to fail. I would never heard that before in my life. I had always heard win, win, win. I would always heard play to your strengths. She said, plan today where you're going to fail. Because if you don't choose where you're going to fail, life will choose for you. And usually it's where you can't afford to fail. What she was saying is obey God. If you obey God and not fail what he says, he'll direct you in your steps. You need to plan where you're going to fail today. I settled early, I wouldn't fail in some areas. Can I be personal today? I settled early, I wouldn't fail my faith. Listen, so many people, and I struggle with it, if I can be vulnerable, we're full-time pastors and part-time disciples of Christ. You can be so busy reading this for a word on Sunday that you never read it for yourself on Monday. You'd be so busy going to meetings with people that you never meet with God. And I just settled early. No matter what I do, if I'm in sales or if I'm pastoring, if I'm planning a church, whatever I'm doing, I will not fail my faith. I settled that early. Second thing I settled is I will not fail my family. I remember we were early married and Josh was born. He was a couple months old and I was working at a, as a pastor in a church. It was, it was my day off and I said, Nancy was where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to the office. I got to work on something. She goes, no, you're not i got a good newfie wife that will tell you what she thinks. Come on, somebody. And she goes, no, you're not. I said, no, I, I have to. i got this deadline. She goes, if you're going, you're taking Josh with you. He was four months of age. I was like, that's not going to work. She goes, no, no, you're dad today. You, you can take your son with you if you're going to the office. I am so thankful for that moment. Why? What she was reinforcing is my core belief, I will not fail my family. What would a profit to gain the whole world and lose my family, lose my soul, lose the very thing closest to me? I also decided early I would not fail my purpose. I will always chase God's plan for my life, whether it paid or didn't pay, whether it was easy or not easy. And to my best of my ability and God's grace, we have made that a fundamental truth in our life. I will not fail my faith, my family, or my purpose. But that means I let myself fail in other areas. I fail sometimes as a friend. People, hey, everybody wants you to have boundaries and priorities until it affects their schedule. Come on, somebody. Oh, that's so good to take a day on. That's so good that you're with your parents, your kids. That's so good you're with your wife. But, but I need you right now. And sometimes I've had to fail as a friend. I've even chosen to fail as a pastor sometimes. People say, you must be flattered as a pastor. I'm like, oh, it's busy. Sometimes I'm busier than a one-legged man in a buck kicking contest. It's busy. You still with me? All right, okay. But sometimes I failed as a pastor. Why? Because my kids need to know their importance. And sometimes I failed in city unity. There's Sometimes I don't go to conferences, not because I'm against it, but I'm thinking if, if I have to choose, I'll choose my faith, I'll choose my family, and I'll choose my calling. And right now our purpose is tied to this church. And sometimes I'll fail city unity. Sometimes I'll fail things where I've got to meet people and go see people. Why? Because if I don't plan where I'm going to fail, life will choose for me. And it will be my kids and my marriage and my purity. Come on, and my calling and my faith. When you obey God, what you're saying is, I choose not to fail what God is saying to me. Joseph obeyed God. He prayed and obeyed. Joseph would not fail his family or his divine commitment. Joseph chose to fail his business. He was a carpenter. He walked away from everything. He chose to fail his business. He chose to fail as a friend, his community. He walked away from them. He chose to fail his preferences and his comfort and what he was used to. Why? Because he chose not to fail what God said to do his family, and his faith. God said to him, when Mary was conceived, Jesus said, uh, marry her, look after her, and name him Jesus. And he said, I prayed, and I will obey. I will choose not to fail my God or my family. And because of that, God's hand was on him. Listen, some of you need to fail at some things going into 2020. And some of you need to commit you won't fail other things. Some of you in this church on the dream team need to pull back from experiences to be a better wife, dad, husband, be a better father. Some of you need to. Some of you need to get here more often because a part of it is your family needs to see you in the church at the house of God and lifting your hands and and being faithful. Why? You need to put what God is saying to you. Pray and obey. Point number three. This is really deep. You ready for this? Repeat steps one and two. Isn't that good? Pray and obey. Pray and obey. Just pray and obey. It's not complicated. It's just hard to do. Oh God, it's so hard to do. It's easier to design a new sign for the lobby than it is to pray sometimes. It's easier to run to Walmart and Costco and pick up supplies we need for this church than to obey God sometimes and say no to that commitment and say yes to that one. Pray and obey and repeat. Joseph had four dreams that we know of. One was when Mary conceived. And then in this passage, he had three dreams. He prayed, and then he obeyed, and then he repeated. Isn't it interesting? He heard from God, go to Egypt. But if he had stopped praying and obeying, he never would have known when to come back. Some of us get a word from God for our life, for our purpose, and we go, I got it, I'm good for life. Man, God spoke to me, I know I'm going to do this with my life. And, this is what, and then we stop listening and obeying. And some of us are in places God never wanted us to stay. We were supposed to visit there, not live there. I'm called to this. I'm supposed to do that. Listen, pray and obey and repeat. People are like, man, you got amazing kids, but watch out for those teenage years. I thank God for His grace, and we're not perfect. But you know what we're going to do for our teenagers? Pray and obey. And God will tell us how to lead teenagers. And with God's grace and His goodness and the community around us, we'll have breathtaking teenagers. Why? Because we don't know what we're doing, but we know He does. We're going to pray. We're going to obey, and we're going to repeat. What about 20-year-olds? Man, I don't know what to do with 20-year-olds. we are going to do when they start looking at getting married? Maddie's not allowed to get married until she's 40, but Josh can get married at 20, right? Because she's my baby girl. She's got to stay home. But what do we do in their 20s? Well, we're just going to pray and obey. What happens when it's age to retire? 80 years from now, we're going to pray and obey and repeat. Joseph had dream after dream after dream, and he did what God said. Listen, every season has a purpose. It's either a blessing or a lesson. either a blessing or a lesson you're in a season right now some of you feel disrupted, you feel like you're detoured you feel like this is not where you wanted to be when you started in 2019 you had plans, I'm going to be here with my family I'm going to be here with my career, I'm going to be here with my purpose and my ministry and my faith and you may feel detoured, listen, if you pray and obey, if God saw you to it, he will see you through it if God saw you to this season, he'll see you through this season Oh, it says it only it only lasts for a moment. It only more joy comes in the morning. Listen, the sun will rise on your faith, on your family. Listen, if you pray and obey, the old song used to say, there is no other way. God has you. If he saw you to this moment, he'll see you through it. I'm living proof of it. There are moments I thought, I'll never come back from this season. I feel lost. I feel in the wrong place. I feel detoured. I feel invisible. I feel hopeless. I feel broke. I feel empty. And God goes, no, oh, I saw you to it. I'll see you through it. We have a theme in our house, best Christmas ever. Is that still thinking? No, I just feel God's presence. I said to Nancy three weeks ago, I said, I've never experienced kindness like I feel when I preach at Nova. She said, wow. I said, I've preached all over the world. I've preached a lot of places. But the kindness, you're not the loudest church. Everybody said, see, exactly, right? I feel your kindness. Some of you are quiet, but your eyes are so thankful to be here. And I said, I, when I preach, I feel the kindness hitting me like waves. I've never experienced this in my life. I've preached at some amazing places, and some tough places. I've preached at generous places and stingy places. I've preached all over. I've never experienced waves of kind when I'm preaching. And I said, God, I'm so blessed. Because you can't celebrate with someone unless you know where they've been. Like, you don't know where I've been. I'm so thankful. Listen, if God saw you do it, he'll see you through it. If you feel disrupted today, just know this, pray. God has a word for you. God wants to encourage you. He wants to direct you. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a blog. You don't need a podcast. Just shut off the radio in your car just for a moment. Get on your knees beside your bed. Just shut life down for him and say, God, what are you saying to me? He'll encourage you. He'll warn you. He'll correct you, but he'll always lead you. And whatever he says, do it. Pray and obey and repeat. If he saw you to it, he'll see you through it. Seasons of disruption. It may take you a while to get there. People are maybe conspiring against you. But God has a plan for your life. He'll see you through it, amen? It says that Jesus came back. They came back, they settled in. And Jesus started to learn his trade and launch into ministry. And we are here today because of the goodness of God and the obedience of a man that said I'm going to pray and obey and repeat there are generations that are waiting on what you have in this room some of you even at church like man I don't want to go to church today I just feel like there's opposition in my life there's potential in your life sir just pray and obey why because it's bigger than me it's bigger than you Generations from now, they will tell stories about the faithfulness of men and women and teenagers in this room. Why? Because legacy outlives us. Obedience outlives us. I'm here today because the obedience of generations ahead of me, they're waiting for us to pray and obey and repeat. Amen, all of this place. Can we stand to our feet? I'm gonna pray in just a moment, then we're gonna dismiss before we have our prayer time. In about five minutes. I encourage you to say, some of you, even right now, you're here, you on God, say, you need prayer today. Some of you, you've never gone and said, I need prayer today. But you feel something inside you, I need prayer today. Pray and obey. What if you're a moment away from a miracle in your life? With every head bowed just for a moment, we can just dim these lights a little bit, Brad. That'd be awesome. You say, Mike, I feel like I'm in a season of disruption. I'm trying, I love Jesus, I'm trying my best, but I feel like I'm not being celebrated, I feel like I'm being opposed, I feel like it might be at work, you might feel like there's a manager or a coworker that has it out for you and you're trying, you're not distracted, you're trying. You may feel like in your faith, you may feel like in your community, you just feel like you're disrupted, you feel like it's not easy, it's like it's like it's just one detour after another, you just can't make any ground, you just can't get where you're going. You feel like you're disturbed that's you with every head bowed, you just lift your hand real high I wonder who I'm praying for today, you're in that season that's your season, yeah all over this place, put your hand right back down we're going to pray today, here's what we're going to pray today, not that one prayer from me is going to fix it, but that you'll hear clearly the voice of God today, driving home tonight in your bedroom as you go to bed maybe in your office tomorrow morning, maybe as you are in the kitchen doing dishes, I don't know but God will speak to you clearly and whatever he says, do it as you pray and obey God will lead you to the way that he has for you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this amazing, amazing people. God, those that feel in this room that they are disturbed, they are opposed, they are in the wrong place. They're trying to do the right thing, but they're in the wrong place. Father, this is not the year they thought they'd have. This is not where they thought they would be, relationally. They had dreams and they feel like they're in the wilderness. They feel like they're disturbed relationally, that the things that were on their heart and they thought was on your mind, they haven't seen happen and they feel like they're in the wrong place. Father, I pray for them right now. Dreams of healthy relationships, community. I pray, God, that you saw them to it. You'll see them through it. I pray for those financially, even professionally. They feel like they're just opposed on every side. God, I pray as they honor you, you will honor them. As they build your house, you will build their house. As they pray and obey, God, you will lead them and promote them. I pray for favor that no man can stop and no person can deny. Father, I bless them with your voice and your presence. God, I pray for those today that are dealing with any disruption in their life. I bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, everybody said, amen, church, we love you. Next Steps is happening in about five minutes. Next Sunday morning, we're back here as we finish out the year on Sunday morning and then our Christmas experience is happening in about five minutes from now. You can feel free to stay in here, but you won't get coffee. We are dismissed. We're gonna be praying in about five minutes. We're gonna worship together. God bless you. We love you. Have a fantastic week and we'll see you next Sunday morning.